our mistakes, God's mercy. How many times have we heard someone say, Lord, why did you let this happen to me? Why aren't you helping me? How many times have we asked this ourselves? Where are you, God, when I need you? I've heard a lot of great biblical answers to these questions, but today I want us to consider the extent of his mercy, that despite our mistakes, God is merciful. Now, perhaps you're already drawing back saying, what mistakes are you talking about? I haven't done anything to deserve this hardship or this catastrophe. We seem to imagine some kind of cosmic scale whereby God measures our mistakes and they're never as bad as someone else's. Therefore, we should deserve God's abundant blessings at all times. And even if we do recall our seemingly minor faults, we are certain that God takes his huge eraser to wipe them out and they're gone forever. Forgiveness and grace easily and simply applied. No consequences necessary. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm certainly aware of the verses that speak to the fact that God has removed our sins as far from us as the East is from the West, or thrown our sins into a sea of forgetfulness. But if we look further at the surrounding verses, we see indeed that God pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people. But it goes on to say that he will not stay angry with his people forever because he delights in his unfailing love. Thus, we really have to think about it. Is it truly God's mercy that he doesn't give us what we deserve? Absolutely. And that's what I want us to ponder today. Even with our mistakes, he still grants us mercy. He is extremely merciful in forgiving our sins. It's this that we need to worship him for, not accuse him of being false or insufficient in his mercy and goodness. In Exodus 34, when God's passing before Moses, he calls out to him with a description of his character. Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. That's our Heavenly Father's default position, love and mercy. And he tells us this time and again throughout Scripture, such as 1 Samuel 9, where we read that he will rescue Israel from the Philistines, for I have looked down on my people in mercy and heard their cry. God also declared this through the prophet Isaiah, saying, My mercy and justice are coming soon. My salvation is on the way. My strong arm will bring justice to the nations. All distant lands will look to me and wait in hope for my powerful arm. He's even more specific when he says, For the mountains may move and the hills may disappear. Even then my faithful love for you will remain My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. And even when we're not willing to show mercy to others, as in the case of Jonah, still God is merciful. There are numerous times that people cried out for God's mercy. From David's heartfelt plea in Psalm 4, verse 1, Answer me when I call to you, O God, who declares me innocent. Free me from my troubles. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. 
to Isaiah's prayer for deliverance in Isaiah 63, to the blind man's cry for Jesus' healing mercy in Matthew 9. Yet equally so, there is the recognition that God consistently and repeatedly shows mercy from generation to generation. As David acknowledges in Psalm 28, praise the Lord, for he has heard my cry of mercy. In fact, David was so convinced of God's great mercy that he chose to fall in God's hands as opposed to the hands of his enemies. Nehemiah, the great statesman and builder, invites us to rehearse God's mercy, saying, In your great mercy you did not abandon them to die in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud still led them through the day, and the pillar of fire showed them the way through the night. He says this again as he recounts God's mercy in sending liberators to rescue Israel from their enemies, finally exclaiming, what a gracious and merciful God you are. The prophet Isaiah also celebrated God's mercy, declaring, I will tell of the Lord's unfailing love. I will praise the Lord for all he's done. I will rejoice in his great goodness to Israel, which he has granted according to his mercy and love. Isaiah further reminds us of God's generosity, saying they will neither hunger nor thirst. The searing sun will not reach them anymore, for the Lord in his mercy will lead them. He will lead them beside cool waters. Unless we argue, what about me, God? Why am I suffering and in pain? Isaiah reminds us, in all their suffering, he also suffered and he personally rescued them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them through all the years. Let's review the mercy that God has shown us throughout our lives. We'll see so many times. But for some reason, we believe that it's our right to receive his mercy, that his grace should always be abundant, regardless of our behavior. But this doesn't match the word of God. Absolutely, he's a God of mercy, but there's a consequence for our wrongdoing. And it's our responsibility to turn from our sin and come back to God, whose mercy awaits us. We see this from King Solomon who definitely wrestled with sin, for he wrote, People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Similarly, Isaiah advises, Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord, that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. In fact, God in his great mercy may even prevent the intended consequence for our sins. As the prophet Jeremiah indicates, they turned from their sins and worshiped the Lord. They begged him for mercy. Then the Lord God changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had pronounced against them. You never know what reprieve may be granted to you when you turn from your sin. But even if chastisement must come, God speaks openly that it's his love for us that overwhelms him. Is it not Israel, who's still my son, my darling child, he says? I often have to punish him, but I still love him. That's why I long for him and surely will have mercy on him. The father's act of discipline is still a sign of his mercy toward us. 
Does this sound like a God who doesn't care, who doesn't notice when we're in pain or when our choices lead us down a dark and dreary path away from him? Even there, he longs for us to turn back and discover he's right there with arms wide open, waiting for us to run into them. Moses acknowledges this in Deuteronomy 30, when he reminds Israel that if they're obedient, then the Lord God will restore your fortunes. He will have mercy on you and gather you back from all the nations where he has scattered you. In fact, he arranged for his mercy to be available even before we changed our ways. We see this in Zechariah's prophecy of the coming Savior because of God's tender mercy. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give us light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to a path of peace. Paul further explained this when writing to the Ephesians, telling them God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. He recounted this again to Titus, explaining that God saved us not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. Paul experienced this in his own life, confessing to his spiritual son, Timothy, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ in my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Thus, we're invited to come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So why then do we gross? Why do we doubt the hand of mercy that God extends even when we fall short or turn away? For when we've been transformed into a new creation, his mercy and peace rests upon us who live for him. We are the new people of God. Our prayer should always be joined with the intercession of the prophet Habakkuk who cried, I have heard all about you, Lord. I'm filled with awe by your amazing works in this time of our deep need. Help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. Even as we look at the tragic state of our world, a world spiraling farther and farther away from him, we can still cry out to him in your anger, remember your mercy. And for ourselves who too often don't do what we should or do what we shouldn't, let us run to his throne of mercy where grace abounds. Amen, beloved. Amen. <music>